Thank you, Jess. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through your word. Today, Lord, as I share the word of God, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would direct me. And I pray that our hearts would be open and that faith would rise in our hearts as we receive your word. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And we pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in our hearts and in our lives first. And in this world, in so much need at this time, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, let's thank our worship team today. And you may be seated. Um, One of our worship team members, Reno, here uh, knows that I love soccer. In case you don't know, I love soccer. It's the game they play in heaven. And uh, right now, there's a very important championship that's going on. You may not know, but it's the European Soccer Championship in which all the top teams in Europe are competing, and it's being held all over Europe right now. It's in Russia and Italy and uh, England and other parts of Europe. And this morning, England played Croatia, big game at Wembley. And of course, Sunday mornings, I'm preparing. I'm trying to remain spiritual and preparing for church. But I was ready a little bit in advance, so I thought I'll sneak in the first 20 minutes. And I believe that God forgave me for doing that. I sneaked in the first 20 minutes, and England were looking good. And then when I walked in, I just had one door in the, in the doorway. And there's a rule in this church, you never talk about sports scores in the service. And Reno said to me, are you happy? And I knew straight away that it was a good result. But I didn't want to know that. I wanted to watch the game and stay on the edge of my seat for the whole game. So anyway, thank you, Reno. I love you. And, uh, you know, David said, I was glad. I was happy when they said, let us go up to the house of the Lord. I'm happy when I go up to the house of the Lord, but please don't tell me any sports scores. So if you have time, just send up a prayer for England. Thank you for that underwhelming response. In the rest of the tournament. We haven't won anything since 1966. Yeah, yes, oh no, it's really bad. We invented the game. All right, well, enough of that. Last week I started, uh, I, I brought a message called Beneficiaries and Benefactors. And uh, I felt like there was some more content in that subject. So I want to expand a little bit on that and I want to talk a little bit more about that subject and how it relates to us. In, in multiple ways. All of us are beneficiaries, whether we appreciate it, whether we understand it, or whether we, we don't. We're all beneficiaries, beneficiaries of what God has done for us, beneficiaries of what our, our parents or those who went before us have done. And at the same time, as we are beneficiaries, we can also be benefactors, A beneficiary is a person that receives help or advantage from someone. A benefactor is someone who gives help or creates an advantage for someone. A beneficiary is someone who receives an inheritance. 
A benefactor is someone who leaves an inheritance. And a ben beneficiary uh, receives a legacy. A, benef a benefactor leaves a legacy. We were created to receive and to leave. In the same way that there is a rhythm in life of, of breathing in and breathing out. I was told today, this week, by my doctor that I should breathe through my nose. Because when you breathe through your nose, the quality of air that you receive is far better than when you breathe through your mouth. Did you know that? Well, now you do. You learned something in church this morning. Breathe in through my nose. Breathe out through my mouth. Or breathe in and breathe out through your nose, whichever way it is. But anyway, we were created to receive and to leave. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. It's part of the unforced rhythm of life. There's a passage in Daniel. I love Daniel because Daniel had a kind of telescopic vision into the future. Daniel's one of those books that's kind of pretty awesome in its scope. And Daniel says, how great, speaking about God, he saw, he saw the immensity of God. He said, how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. What an awesome passage of scripture. What an awesome thought that is. And last week we looked at Isaac, a character who took his place in the general, generational continuum of God's everlasting kingdom and dominion. Remember, God, Jesus referred to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three generations that together were sig a significant foundation for us as a people of faith. And if Isaac had not taken his place, then that continuum would have been broken. Whether you like it or not, you are part of the continuum of God's purpose. And if you don't take your place, and if I don't take my place, that continuum will be broken. God wants to work through you. Think about maybe a generational line. We read last week that 76 generations from Adam through to Jesus. Uh, just think about it. Maybe you're a part of a generation of of, of followers of Christ. I, I happen not to be, uh, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But imagine, you are a part of the continuum. We are a part of the continuum of God's plan and purpose, and so it's so important that we take our place. And we looked at Isaac, and if you didn't hear the message, you can listen to it on podcast. But Isaac did three things in order to be a part of that continuum. Number one, he stayed Number two, he sowed, and number three, he dug. And if we're going to make it through at, and we're going to fulfill our God-given purpose, we need to stay, we need to sow, and we need to dig. And so today, I want to speak about three things uh, that, or three areas that we can be beneficiaries and benefactors in. Three specific areas, and the text for this morning is the parable of the talents. You may be familiar with it, but I'd like to read it this morning. Um, in fact, I'm not going to read it. I'll tell you the story. Uh, the story goes, Jesus told the parable that a certain 
man who went on a long trip called his servants, and he entrusted to his servants to one five talents, to the other two talents, and to the other one talents. He invested in them. They were beneficiaries of that investment. And he went away to a far land, and when he came back, he came back expecting a return. How many of you know that one day, Jesus, we all have to give an account for our lives? Thank you for that underwhelming response again. We all have to give an account for our lives. I thank God I'm going to heaven, but I don't want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to, I want to maximize what God has invested in me in the number of years that I've known Him, in the time frame that I've known Him, in what He's invested in me. So I'm going to have to give an account for my life. I'm going to stand, I have to stand before Jesus and give an account for my stewardship. And so he came back, and one said, you gave me five. I invested it. Here's another five. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The other one said, you gave me two, and I invested two. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the last one said, I knew you to be a hard man, and I knew that you, you, you reaped where you haven't sown. So I hid the talent. I dug a hole. I hid the talent. Here's what I gave you, given back to you. And Jesus tells a story about how the master said, take the one, take the talent from the one who didn't use it and give it to the one who used it. In other words, and he said, for him who has or for whoever uses what they have, more will be given, but for the, those who don't use what they have, even what they have will be taken away. Now, in that phrase itself, there's a, there's a whole lot of things that we could talk about, but the principle is this is that there was a, an investment. They were beneficiaries. And as beneficiaries, they had a responsibility to be benefactors. So all of us have our beneficiaries, but we, are, we have a responsibility to be benefactors, to leave something to the next generation. I hope that when I go out into eternity, I don't leave a big mess behind me and a whole lot of debt. I want to leave an inheritance. I want to be a benefactor, not a liability. And so all of us have an opportunity to be benefactors, to live our lives in such a way. I love this story that Bijou Thampi, who we work with in India, told me about one of the, his board members who's a, a motivational uh, entrepreneur and speaker and has a um, uh, you know, leadership development uh, organization. His name's Flip Flippin. That's his real name. He has an article called The Flip Side. And uh, Flip Flippin said, wrote, is, has been writing, I, I'm not sure if it's published yet, a book where he says every one of us has three stories. The first story is the story we were born into. You have no control over that. Yeah. You didn't choose your relatives. <laughs> Secondly, the story of our upbringing how we learn and grow within the context of that story. And the third is the new story that we write beyond the story of our birth, beyond the story of our upbringing. So the question is, what story am I writing with my life? What story are we writing with our life? What are we doing with what we have been given? And I want to highlight three things that we've been given Number one, that we are beneficiaries of faith, resource, 
and experience. I'm going to say that again. Faith, resource, and experience. Regardless of what we were born into, all of us have someone who invested into us. Maybe it was your mother or your father or your uncle or your auntie or your grandparent or a sibling or a cousin or a teacher or a pastor or someone who was a friend to your destiny who invested in you. And one of the things that all of us have, all of us are, whether we know it or not, we are beneficiaries of the faith of those who have gone before us in Christ. Maybe we're not aware of it, maybe we haven't laid hold of it, maybe we don't fully understand it, but we have an inheritance that we can lay hold of. You could have an inheritance and not even know about it, and it would do you no good. But we have an inheritance that we can lay hold of. And Paul, in, or the writer of Hebrews, writes that Jesus left us an inheritance because He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Pioneers leave an inheritance. Pioneers leave a legacy. Pioneers leave something to the next generation. I remember driving back when Ben went to Air Force training in Texas, in the north of Texas. We drove all the way there. I dropped him off, and then I drove all the way back from Dallas, all the way back to, to uh, uh, Cal California, Newport. There's a lot of land between there and here, a lot of empty land. And I thought, whoa, this is a big country. And then I thought about all those pioneers. They weren't driving in an air-conditioned GMC across the desert. They did it the hard way. And we're beneficiaries of what the way that they paved and what they pioneered for each and every one of us. And I love this in the message version of the Bible. It talks about how that pioneering of faith that Jesus pioneered for us can inspire us. How many of you know there's a great cloud of witnesses in heaven that are watching? The writer of Hebrews talks about that. And he says, what do you see that this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, and whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. We have an inheritance. We have that was left to us. Paul was a pioneer of faith. He went where others hadn't been so they could hear the message of the gospel. And every one of us are the beneficiaries of not just Jesus, but that great cloud of witnesses that is talked about in Hebrews, the generations that went before us. People who paid, paved the way through their own personal sacrifice. People who, some of whom had to 
who, who were tortured for their faith or lost their lives for their faith. We are beneficiaries of them. And we stand on the fundamentals and the foundation of our faith that was established through their lives and through their testimony. People like the Apostle Paul, who framed the New Testament theology and understanding that we have today of our position in Christ, of our inheritance in Christ, of all that is available to us, and who we are in Christ, and grace. How many of you are thankful for grace? All because of the foundations that he established. And I read a scripture the other day that really spoke to me because I think it's particularly relevant to the day in which we're living. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 14. And I want to read it in the Message Bible because it says here, this is speaking to the nation of Israel after they had moved into the promised land. And remember, they divided the land up between the 12 tribes. They established boundaries. This belonged to the tribe of Judah this belonged to the tribe of Issachar, and so on. And so God said this, don't move your neighbor's boundary markers. The long-standing landmarks set up by your pioneer ancestors defining their property. In other words, don't move those boundaries. Those boundaries have been set in place. They've been established by God. They've been set in place. They are boundaries they are landmarks that have been established since ancient days. And I thought about that in relation to our faith. The fact that in this Bible here are the boundaries within which I should live my life. In the Bible, there are landmarks that I can follow that I know I'm on the right path. These are the boundaries. These are the landmarks that have been set up by previous generations, by those who wrote the Word of God to guide me and establish the foundation of my faith. And God is saying, do not let them be moved. Do not let them be removed because they are the foundation and fundamentals of the faith which we experience today. The reality is, if you are not aware of it, those values, those landmarks, those boundaries are under more attack right now than they have been for a very long time. Some of us might be familiar with critical thinking or critical theory, which is can also be called applied postmodernism. Its roots are in Marxism, going right back to the 1930s. And it's a worldview that is very prevalent and is at the forefront of the conversation today, and particularly in the hotbed of the last 15 months, has become more prevalent that is continually changing, but what it's doing is it's challenging the established societal structures that have been in place for a long time. And one of those is our Judeo-Christian ethic, upon which the, this nation was founded, 
upon which the laws of this land are founded, upon which so much of what we who follow Christ live our lives according to those values. And at the forefront of that thinking is this thought that objective truth cannot be known. In other words, there are no absolutes. Live your own truth. Live according to your own interpretation. And then politically, the political aspect of that, which feeds into the division that we've seen over the last 12 months, is this, that it basically that worldview says that all of humanity is vying for power and so fits into one of two categories, either the oppressed or the oppressor. So everyone is either oppressed or the oppressor, which is totally contrary to how we live, because in Luke 4, 18, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so that worldview is conflicting with everything that we value and trying to move those landmarks, trying to remove those boundaries so that we are in a place where our, what, we, what we believe and what we, have, uh, what, what we have built and founded our faith on has now, is now being undermined. It's a big subject. And two of the main themes of the, that this subject are, or two of the main strategies are, number one, the blurring of boundaries. So God said, don't remove the boundaries. Well, before you remove the boundaries, you blur the boundaries. So number one, the blurring of boundaries. Number two, the deconstruction of language. So language shapes culture. I've talked about that before. So, have you noticed that language has been in the forefront of the conversation in recent times, which feeds into this whole philosophy or this whole worldview, and that has been working for a long time in colleges and universities back since the 60s. And its aim is to erode and undermine our Christian worldview, to move those boundary markers, those ancient landmarks, and define that which defines our faith. So this is not meant to be a kind of a depressing conversation, but it's an important conversation because we have an inheritance. We are beneficiaries of what previous generations have done. So what are we going to do? We have to stand fast in that which we know to be the truth. I recently spoke to someone, and you may have heard me say this before, who'd been through Berkeley University. And he said the problem with universities today is they don't teach you how to think, they teach you what to think. And so in universities, this, uh, this has been at the, at kind of working through the teaching of many of the, many of the teachings for a, for a long, long time. So what do we do? There, what do we do? We return to the absolutes of our faith. 
The common ground upon which we stand was paved by people who were beneficiaries of previous generations, became benefactors so that we can become beneficiaries, so that we can, what? Cave in to what's happening around about us. No, so that we can be benefactors of the next generation. In the foyer out there, I love it is the Apostles' Creed. Have you, have you taken a moment to stop and read it? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to stop and read it. The Apostles' Creed is a creed that was, uh, in, the, in the early centuries of the church, was put together, in a sense, to frame the, uh, our beliefs as, as Christians. And in order to do, and, and, and in the Anglican Church. I grew up in the Church of England. When I say I grew up in the Church of England, I wasn't a Christian. Uh, my family were not churchgoers, but they sent me to boarding school. And at boarding school, you had to go to church. And so we used to, we used to confess the Apostles' Creed in every service. And I'm so thankful for that, because those things became indelibly stamped in my mind. And is that there is a reason that for hundreds of years in every service in an Anglican church and in many denominations around the world, and I believe in the Catholic church as well, that the Apostles' Creed is actually confessed because it's confessing those landmarks, those things that our faith uh, is, is founded on. And I, 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 love, I love that. And recently in my prayer time, I've been confessing that. I believe in God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And he rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That is a great statement of faith. And we now have the opportunity to be able to share that with the next generation, to be benefactors of what others have established, to be benefactors of our faith. And I don't want to just be a beneficiary, I want to be a benefactor. The reality is that I am the first in line, to my knowledge, of a line of believers. When I say that, you can never, you, you, you know, were my parents Christians? Did they believe in God? They had all sorts of different beliefs. But none of my family, as far back as I can tell, I've, I've been told that generations ago, one of my forefathers was the Bishop of Durham in England. No one ever talked about him. I'm the first in line. I've started a new lineage. And I'm excited about the fact that my kids can be the second generation. My grandkids can be the third generation. And the fourth and the fifth and the sixth until Jesus returns. And sometimes it's not that definitive. You can't be that definitive. And maybe there was someone back in, the, uh, in, in my family line. They never talked about them, but maybe there was. 
but the reality is I have, I have a sense in my heart and in my spirit that I have a responsibility to be a benefactor, to be a person who, who invests in the next generation, my faith. And here's the thing. I have a responsibility to do that in, in every single area of my life. In serving God, I'm leaving a legacy for people who, who are to come. When we left Australia to plant the church here, and, and we started the church, we're leaving a legacy. And not just with the people who are here today, but the people who've been with us for the last 15 years, and all those, we, we've, we've left a legacy, we've left an inheritance, and they will leave a legacy, and they will leave an inheritance in other people's lives. And there are others who are joining now who will help us as we rebuild out of this last 15 months to be beneficiaries, but also to be benefactors. The Word of God says in Proverbs 13 and verse 22, if the team would come now, the Word of God says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. In other words, you and I can leave an inheritance that is generational to our children and to our children's children. And it's not just our natural offspring, it's our spiritual children. Paul talked about this, about how there are not many fathers. Next Sunday's Father's Day. Is next Sunday Father's Day? Next Sunday's Father's Day. I think Di should speak on Father's Day because I need the day off because it's Father's Day. Next Sunday's Father's Day. And I'll continue the rest of this message later when we talk about resource and experience that we benefited from others that have left and invested in us. But as we think about this, I see my responsibility as a pastor is to invest in the people who are a part of our church. So that when you walk out of here on a Sunday, that faith has risen in your heart, hope understanding of God's Word, understanding of God's purpose, understanding of His love for you as an individual. And not just here in church, but as I gather with leaders and other small groups and, and some of the younger people in our church that I want to invest in, some of the younger leaders as others invested in me. Because there's another generation that's going to take our place. There's another generation that are coming. And people need to hear our story. And I want to encourage you today. There's someone out there this week waiting to hear your story. Desperate to hear your story. Not knowing which way to turn. Not knowing what to do without any kind of understanding of how to navigate the place that they're in. And they're waiting to hear your story. Just like I heard someone else's story that sparked something on the inside of me that caused something, a flicker of light 
that was transitional, that was transformational, that brought about a supernatural change in my life. Every one of us are beneficiaries of what others who've gone before us have done. Today's our day. This is our opportunity to be benefactors. And I want to encourage you. Someone somewhere needs to hear your story. And as we continue to build and as we continue to serve God in our day and in our generation, just like David was able to say, he served God in his day and in his generation, there'll be other generations that'll be coming through that'll be thankful for the legacy that we left so that they in turn can leave a legacy for those who are to come. We are beneficiaries and we are benefactors. God created us that way. Let's take our place in that amazing continuum of God's everlasting kingdom so that his dominion, his kingdom will come and his will be done in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand of praise. I want to take a moment to pray for people here today. Maybe you've never ever accepted Jesus as your Savior. If you've never done that, or maybe you have in the past, but you want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ today, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. I know that God's going to hear it. I know that God's going to answer your cry. And so I encourage you to pray this after me, and you're going to know the gift of God's Spirit, of His peace, of forgiveness, and the gift of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new start, a fresh beginning, and I believe I'll never be the same again. Thank you for your Spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for His grace. If you prayed,